And I think once you have that mindset, the mindset really, really, it's really, really key. It really, really matters. Like it really matters because med school is a marathon no matter where you go, whether you go in the States, whether you go in the Caribbean, it's a marathon. Hey guys, real quick, Dr. Dale here. All right. So I want you guys to do me a favor before you start this episode, please hit that pause button and click subscribe or click follow or click like, whatever it is. We work really hard to bring you guys this good information to uplift the entire community. And we really appreciate you guys supporting our efforts and our work. Love you guys. Enjoy the episode. Ooh. I want them bad like a diet, yeah. Oh, let do it like flogger, yeah. I'm kicking flare with no saga, yeah. Hey, I like them blues. I might go Janet like Jackson. I got them eyes, yeah. It's all about progression. Life is like a blessing. Everything a win, loss is like a lesson. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Ain't no time for stressing. I've been really stacking. Ooh, ooh, yeah. If you wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got on racks, ain't playing around. Wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got on racks, ain't playing around. What is up, family? I'm Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor, Pre-Med Mondays, Platinum and White Coast, and the Dr. Doc Children series. Make sure you grab your copies. I give those books out for free. I'm going to put a link around here somewhere. So click on the link and go to the site and, you know, I'll mail you a copy. You got to cover your own shipping and handling, but I'll mail you a copy of the books. Got them all. A lot of them sitting right here. You can get the book for free. You cover your own shipping and handling, okay? And it's Black Men and White Coast podcast. Listen to the Black Men and White Coast podcast, the place where Black physicians, clinicians have the platform to share their stories with listeners like you. Man, I'm super excited to get into today's episode. It was, it's a, it's a piggyback episode. We already highlighted this young individual once, but we're going to piggyback into him because I tell you, I had so many questions come up. So many people messaged me after, after I did the episode with them. So we're going to get into it. But before I do, I um, just want to remind you guys, if you're a pre-medical student, a doctor, anybody in the healthcare profession, make sure you're on diversemedicine.com. As a matter of fact, this uh, young individual we're about to bring on, he's on diversemedicine.com. So all you people who sent me messages saying, hey, I'd like to talk to him, don't message me. Go find him on diversemedicine.com. Message him directly and um, continue the conversation on the site. That's what we do. Get a mentor there. Continue the conversation on diversemedicine.com. For the pre-meds, check out premedmondays.com. Um, every week I got a video for you where I'm teaching you some leadership stuff and we got accountability group sessions on Monday nights and check it out, right? We make it so everybody can, everybody can take part in that. Man, um, so many things I want to update you all on before we hop into this. Just, I'll give you guys a couple of quick ones. So you guys know we're making this Black Men and White Coast movie. The film is done. Um, super excited. We're putting some last little tidbit edits and stuff on it. Um, and we're working with all the right people we have to work to to get it to where it needs to be, okay? But I'm super excited about that. So everybody who supported that, I'm going to continue to thank you guys. Some of y'all wrote some real checks to help us do that. So I'm going to continue to thank you guys for, for backing Black Men and White Coast like that. Um, what else? So I know a lot of people are super are wondering what's going to happen with the Black Men and White Coast Youth Summit. Um, you know, every year in Dallas, you know, we get a lot of people show up here for this Youth Summit. A thousand people show up at our Youth Summit because of coronavirus, we're going to take a virtual this year. So we're going to do the 2021 Black Men and White Coast Youth Summit. It's going to be February. It's going to be virtual, online. Everything is being planned right now. So stay tuned. That, um, that's coming out very soon. So you guys are going to be able to register, sign up for that very, very soon. It's going to be limited space. What happens every year is everybody wants to come to the summit. Oh, I want to come. I want to come. I want to come. Everybody. And if you don't sign up quick enough, what happens is then you get put on the wait list and people get mad at me. So don't be mad at me. I'm trying to tell you now, as soon as it comes out, register. Don't wait for it. Don't be mad at me because we have limited seats. 
So if I tell you guys we have a thousand people there, that's all we're gonna have. So don't don't be mad at me, alright? So sign up early, don't mess around, and make it happen, okay? So man, let me get into today's guest. Super excited about this. Let me get into my man here, right? Um, so we 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 featured him. This is a student, Dr. Um, Florian Ademi. We featured him just I don't know, maybe last month or something like that, and and. It, that was probably easily, first of all, it was easily one of my, my favorite episodes personally, just cause, um, he's got a certain, certain thing about his character that just makes you want to like him. Okay. So that's the first part of it. The second thing is, I think it was a lot of people's favorite episodes. Cause the only reason I'm doing this video today is cause we got so many people reaching out to me about this dude saying, Hey, Dr. Dale, can you connect me with Flower? And hey, I resonated with the story so much. Can you do this? Can you do that? That's the only reason I'm making this video. Um, I'm calling it a video because we're recording this one video and we're going to put it on this regular audio podcast too. So that's why we're doing this. So let me introduce you to my guy, man, Dr. Florin Ademi. What is going on? What's going on, Dr. Dale? How you doing, man? I'm, I'm good, man. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time out. So after that first, um, your podcast came out, you know, we got blown up. Everybody's like, yo, can you connect me with him? Can you connect me with him? We got blown up. So I reached out to Florin and, and sometimes, you know, I take a step back and remember you're actually a medical student still. So he was like, he was like, yeah, I want to do it, but hold on, I got a test coming up, man. Uh, how how that test go? Before that, mm-hmm. we're, we're, you know, we're about academics first. So I'm gonna start off saying, asking you, how did the test go? Did it go okay? Yeah, you know, um, it was my favorite module, digestive and metabolism. It was a lot of fun, a lot of biochem. But you know, I was also sick at that time. So like I got I got I came down with some type of weird sickness and before I knew it, you know, I was just, you know, just sick and then getting ready uh to take an exam. But, you know, I just have to, you know, give all thanks to God because I was still able to pull through with a great grade. You know what I'm saying? So just just with with all that, yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun just to, you know, um really just be in my books and be in the word because that's all I had to the energy to do, you know? So yeah, it went, it went great. It went great. <clears throat> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So we're going to talk about a few things on, on, on this episode today. Um, the primary thing we're going to get into is something that is always a huge question and it's about Caribbean medical school. So you're a Caribbean medical student. We'll, we'll get into that, you know, and for everybody watching, we're going to dive deep into that. But before we do, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna first refer everybody to go back and, and listen to your your episode you already did to learn more about you. But in brief, man, let's just let's just let's just wrap a little bit about. Um, tell me tell me again, just a brief recap. What was the thing that made you want to go into medicine as a youth? Like how old were you? What was it that said made you say, "Hey, I want to be a, I want to be a black man in a white coat"? What did that for you? You know, <clears throat> so like it's crazy because like you know being Nigerian, you know. You know the pressures there is. You you know exactly how it be. You know exactly how it is. But the thing was that like even though I had pressure from like my dad to become a doctor, like my mom, she never put the pressure on me because she she knew exactly the type of person I was. I just never really liked being told what to do. So she kind of just let me just you know just find my own way. And you know I had an uncle um uh, who who's uh, passed away, rest in peace, who was a physician, but I never really got to really. I talked to him a lot about that. So uh, for me, it was, you know, when I got to college, you know, I played I played football in college and I thought I was actually going down the physical therapy route. You know, my dad was always like, yeah, you know, you should become a doctor. And in my head, I was like, well, you know, I played sports, you know, physical therapy is still a doctor of physical therapy so I can do so. 
But one thing about me was like, you know, ever since that whole uh, thing happened to where like I felt like I was being pressured to do this versus to do that, I always felt that I needed to make sure that I was confident and what I wanted to do. So I wasn't just going to jump in the pool. I was just going to get my feet wet. So after I graduated, I became a physical therapy technician at uh, UT Southwestern. And when I did that back in 2014, it's crazy because I was beginning to learn, you know, the different phases of physical therapy, you know, the inpatient. And when I got to uh, Southwestern, it was more acute care. When I got to Southwestern, this is where everything changed because I met a 14-year-old patient who was undergoing, um, she was on ECMO. She had pulmonary hypertension. Tell them tell 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 what ECMO is. Uh, I'll tell them what ECMO I know you know too, but I'm going to tell them what it is because I'm a lung doctor. That's ECMO deals. ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. So pretty much it's a way to take somebody's blood out of their body. Somebody can't get enough oxygen or too much carbon dioxide. You take the blood out of their body, you put oxygen into your blood, and you put the blood back into the body. So that's what ECMO is. Yeah, she had pulmonary hypertension and she had a a septal defect. And so when I met her, you know, I met her under the physical therapy department. One of my uh, physical therapists was like, hey, you know, I this is a young patient. I kind of want you to be there. And for me, it was like I wasn't really comfortable because one, the patient was really young. And two, I didn't really know how I communicated with, with, with that young population because she was also the same age as my younger sister at the time. But anyway, you know, I, I, I went into that situation, obviously, to learn. And, you know, it, it really had me uh, understanding, like, the different routes of medicine. You know, you come in emergency, uh, you, you get to uh, um, the, the floor, and then you have therapists there that are prepping you prior to you getting the lung transplant. And, you know, I was really just with her over the weeks and time. And then all of a sudden, one day, she just looked at me and she said, you know, you should become a doctor. And I was like, what? Like, first of all, who, who told you that I wanted to become a doctor? Like, I've never, I've never, we've never had that conversation before. So then I don't know why you would say that, but she was like, you should just become a doctor. And like the way she said it to me, it was almost like there was a, a little man. So like, it felt like a straight message from God, like, yeah, you need to do that. And it, to me, it was a lot, it was about like, okay, it's like she planted that seed of inception. Cause after she said that, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like I could not stop thinking about it. Like I went home, like before I know I went home, I was just watching surgeries. I come back to the hospital. I'd always be eavesdropping on, on rounds whenever all the doctors are, you know, they're all just standing there. And I just, and I became more interested in her pathology. I became more interested in the medicine versus the rehabilitation aspect. And that's when I was like, man, like some, some's a little, some, some's a little bit fishy here because like it, I realized that you can be uh, curious about someone else's profession, but when you're coming to work and that's all you're thinking about, yes. like you, you have to start like, uh, you know, thinking about what you actually want to do. And so, you know, after she said that, you know, I, you know, it, it got in my head and that's all I was thinking about. And then she got her lungs. Right. And then it was the craziest thing. We went into her room after she got her lungs, you know, getting her ready up to, to walk. And as soon as she woke up, she looked at me and was like, 
are you a doctor yet? And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know? So at that moment when she said that, I was like, okay, like it's time to start. It's, 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 it's time. It's time that maybe I need to follow that. And then, you know, I went home. It was the craziest thing. I went home and I went to go tell my mom. I was like, mom, you know, uh, I think I want to, you know, become a doctor. And she just laughed. <laughs> and I never forget that moment because in my head, I'm like, woman like mama why are you laughing at me like I'm telling you like I'm trying to turn to this direction and you're laughing at me and she was like do you not know I'm your mother do you not know that I, I've known you since you when you were a child and I know the things that you like to do like who wants to be a physical therapist but's at home trying to watch surgery who is who wants to be a physical therapist but's ordering a suture kit who's you know what I'm saying all, all these things and then she was like but I also know the type of person you are I also know that I can't push you so much to do things without you figuring out that you want to do it yourself. So it's in that moment that I was like, you know what, I'm going, I'm going to do this. And that was late 2014. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to do this. And the first thing I did after that was register to become an EMT because I was like, I'm going to actually go into this before I finally decide to go further because I still needed to, you know, figure that out. So, you know, becoming an EMT was. It just solidified it for me. I was like, yeah, this is exactly this is exactly what I want to do. Like, I, I, I need to do that. And even after that, like, you know, my then it was like, OK, well, you got to well, what are your grades like now? And that's where the whole journey began, like early 2015. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. And one of the things that because, you know, we got parents listening to this, this podcast, too. So one of the things that I want to make sure the parents heard is what you just said about your mother. Um even though your mother knew it or your mother might have felt certain way, she didn't, she didn't push you too much. She let you come to it on your own. Um, I think that's something that parents sometimes forget. You know, with parents, there's, there's two polar. The one polar is they just push, push, push your kids to go into medicine. And the other polar opposite is they don't know anything about the field, so they don't push at all. So it seems like, it sounds to me like your mom actually had a good balance in there. Um, yeah. I mean, she, you know, I think, like you said, I think it's important that like parents like put their kids around those things. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, put those things in front of those kids. But at the same time, like that pressure might be not what that kid needs at that moment, because that might actually rebel them from 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 what they want to accomplish. And because my mom grew up with a doctor, right, since her brother was a, a doctor, I think she kind of knew like, OK, like it's a you know, it's a stressful, difficult thing. So let me just support him how he how he needs to be supported right now. And I think that was the best thing uh, for me, honestly. Nice, nice, nice. So, hey, so this is what's kind of cool. You know, it's funny. It's, it's a small world. People got to understand how small of a world it is. So I don't, I don't remember if you and I actually ever met. We met or no? I remember you. I remember you. Oh, okay, uh-huh. I, I remember. I remember you. I don't remember. I don't remember meeting per se. Actually, I think I do remember. I think I met you in a hallway. Yeah, I got I got dreads now. That's why I got locks now. That's why you probably don't. But I rem- I remember you meeting you in the hallway. Yeah, meeting you. Were, were you with Doctor Williams, Brian Williams? Mm-hmm. Okay, I remember that day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So we did meet. It's a small, small world, right? This is one of those things where, like, um, so Doctor Brian Williams, one of my buddies, and um, he was one of your mentors, and you did some stuff with him. I do remember retrospect now. Yeah, we're. I remember it was somewhere on campus, either outside on the plaza or, or in one of the hallways. I don't remember. It was right by the library, right by that area, right by the plaza, right by that area. Yeah, that's I exactly. Remember, yeah, and I remember walking. He stopped me. He's like, hey, Dale, it's Lauren. I remember he's perfect. I didn't remember it until right now as, a, as you're bringing up the whole dreads thing. Yeah, yeah. But small world, right? Like, So you never know how like, people's paths are going to cross again. And then I seen this video you guys put my brother um, out today when he runs all of our social media stuff, right? 
So that's another thing. A lot of people send messages to social to our social media account saying, "Hey, Doctor Dell, y'all gotta realize I'm not reading any of that stuff, so I don't know what comes through that. So y'all don't be mad at me. I'm telling you now, if you want to reach me, reach me on diversemedicine.com. But I don't know what comes on. But so um, my brother found this thing online about the the video you did with some of your schoolmates about I forgot the words, but a really cool video where y'all taking a photo and talking about maybe what it means to be a black doctor, something like that. I remember just seeing that. I mean, that video was so dope. Oh man, we reposted it. Um, it didn't occur to me until after you did this podcast last month, my brother said, sent me a video. He's like, Hey man, that's the same kid from that video. I'm like, Oh, all this stuff was linking up in my mind now. It's crazy. <laughs> that was what, so what we're going to get into the Caribbean med school thing here in a second, but what sparked y'all to do that video? Cause that video made some noise online and that video was, was deep. Yeah. It, yeah Tell it me did, what the video like, was. Describe the video more better than I did it. So the video was pretty much, uh, a call to, to recognition, a call to action, a call to stepping into who we know we are as men. Um, the, the call was, the, the video was to state that yes, that there are issues, but not to complain, right? We don't want to complain about things. We just want to show about it. Um, and it was just a, it was just a reminder, especially in the tough times that we were in that we are great and we are excellent if we choose to step into what uh, to what God has for us. You know, like when the idea came, it's crazy. When the idea came, I call it as a download. It's a, it's a download. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a space where you're, where you're patiently listening and God just inhabits some and puts it in your heart. I remember just having that when I, after my first semester, just going home. And then all of a sudden I just get this, 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 this idea. And it's like, you need to do something for the black man. And I had no clue, no clue what that was going to be. But I remember telling God that if I accept this thing, if I accept it, that means that you gotta, you gotta get, make sure the ball is rolling. Cause I, I'm just going left, right. You're going to tell me exactly what to do. And, and that's how it's going to happen. So I accepted that. I accepted that responsibility to make that happen. Now I do believe that if I didn't accept that responsibility, it could have went to somebody else. I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, but anyway, like, um, as soon as we got back to school, it just, it just came in my heart even more. And so I remember talking to one of my roommates at the time. I was like, yeah, man, you know, I want to do something for black men. I don't really know what I want to do, but I want to do something for him, you know? And, and he goes, well, what do you want to, what do you want to say? What do you want to tell them? And that's what got the ball rolling. Like, okay, what do, what do I want to, what do I want to tell the black man? Like, you know, what, what, what is important for us to hear at this time? So what I did was I spoke to a couple of the black men on campus. You know, I just sat them down. You know, I just asked them a couple questions and I was just like, yeah, you know, like, you know, if you, if you could talk to the previous you or if you could talk to a younger version of you, if you could talk to any other black men out there, you know, like, what would you say to them? You know, just asking different questions, because I believe that when we get a message out, it can't just be my message. It has to be a message that encompasses more than who I am as a as a human being. You get me? So like just doing that and having the, all those ideas, you know, I sat about it. I thought about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm starting to read this book by um, A Measure of a Man by Sidney Portois. Like he's really good writer. And, you know, a lot of just inspiration just starts to come. But then I'm talking to my roommate, who's the creative director of it. And, you know, whenever he gave me like a, he's really artistic dude. And he gave me like the, um, he called it a treatment as to how we're going to plot this whole thing up. So he and I got to thinking one night and I'm talking about the ideas just flow. He said, okay, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to portray this message? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I want to highlight 
the things that everyone knows black men to do, like the easy things like sports, artists, artist, art, artistry and everything. But I want everybody to know that there's more than that. And I want everybody to know that besides there being more than that, like there's more to who we are as a person. But then I also wanted to show them that, yeah, we kind of are frustrated as, as men. And that's why we, you know, we kind of feel like we have to put a front up to people. Right. And so, um, the whole idea came and we, he was like, yeah, you know, what about get out? He, he said something about get out. He was like, yeah, you know, with the whole get out situation, that's why we had the whole, um, uh, we had us standing there. We're about to take a picture. So everything about that, and I'm going to explain the whole creative process to you because like that is, is important because there were a lot of mis- misinterpretations about what people saw. You know, people receive art in their own creative ways. But anyway, I just remember, you know, we're sitting there. We're like, yeah, let's, let's do like we're about to take a picture. You know, like everything is normal. And then when a picture is taken, it's like everything flashes and stops. And that's when, you know, we give the fake smiles. And then in that moment, it's like a, the, the, everything is frozen. And then I take center, uh, center stage. And what's crazy about that was, um, so the lady that we picked, our friend that we picked, she was a white, a white lady. And, um, we, t- we said that we wanted her specifically because of the reasons that the whole goal was, how can we portray the world standing opposite the black man. So we used her as the the symbolism of the world standing opposite the black man. And the camera is how the world views the black man through their lens. Now, even though they view the black man through their lens, they can see a fake smile because we we, we put up a front a lot. We, we absolutely do. It's the only time that we really tear down the front is when we get home. You know what I'm saying? Is when we get home. So that's why she was perfect home, there. Home or, home or around just each other. Yeah, right. Exactly. Just around each other. So, so, you know, putting that out there and then, um, and then, you know, uh, coming to, to speak, you know, which is just, uh, and I'm telling you, like, in those moments, I realized that God just really anointed me with the, with the, uh, in, in speaking. You know, I'd always thought that, okay, maybe I can, you know, be a, um, uh, motivational speaker at one point. I've thought about those things and people have told me those things, but everything just came. Like I'm talking about like every, when I was writing the whole thing, like everything just came and like the cadence and the delivery and everything, the conviction that was all, I believe that was all God just really just like speaking through, honestly. So, um, that was that because we just wanted to show people that, you know, that no matter the circumstances, no matter where you're at, no matter what the world might be like, we still have control over how we see ourselves. And that's why I said towards the end that like how we see ourselves is important. How we view each other should be determined by us and not by people who generally don't like us. And I think that's a that's an issue because like some people always take on the projections of other people. I and mean, that's dangerous, especially in medicine. You know, um, I remember when I was mentoring this um, this fifth grader. Right. This fifth grader, I met him. Real smart black kid. Really, really smart kid. Like he came in and he was talking about he was talking about um, thermal energy and all this stuff. And I'm like, dang, I don't, I don't remember talking about thermal energy being that young. And I asked him, I was like, what do you want to become? And, you know, he said, well, you know, I guess I, I guess I could become a baseball player. And in that moment, I was like, OK, that's fine. He's young. He can become a baseball player. But why was that like the only thing that he thought he could become? 
And this was before I applied to med school. So then I realized that, okay, like kids, when they see, like when they look up to us, like they, they see themselves in us. And it looks like they're only seeing themselves in sports, which is not a bad thing. It looks like they're only seeing themselves in music. And the saddest part is that they're seeing themselves in jail. And some of them are seeing themselves even worse off now. So it's like, how can we change that image? Because the, the sports and the music, it's a very small population of people that actually make it do that. So it's like, you're trying to funnel all these kids to go, it's, it's not working. And then all these kids feel like they're worthless because this one thing didn't work out. So then it was like, okay, we need to, this needs to be out there for the kids because it's a timeless video so that they can see that they can be anything. And that's why I said like doctors, lawyers, politicians, CEOs, like it can be anything that you want to be. Even a son, father, you know, it, it can be anything. So that's where that whole thing came from. <clears throat> the white coat doesn't represent just medicine. The white coat represents yes. success. It does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so let's uh, uh so so first of all, you I might you might need to send me the link for it again, or I might need to find it so we can put the link in this video. So okay, absolutely. Yeah, I want to link it so people can 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 get to it. All right, so let, let's go into this thing. What people are always asking about it's always a, it's always a hot topic about Caribbean medical schools. Um, so in the podcast last week, we don't have to rehash the whole thing, but you know, the podcast last week you talked about your journey. Um, and I remember one of the things you were getting, you one of the things you got at, and you might have to kind of come back and. And refresh people's minds on this one specific thing. It's this idea of, you know, people are cautious about going to Caribbean medical schools because you don't know what's going to be on the other side. But you were like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do them to make it happen. So we're going to get into that. But, but how did you end up at a, a Caribbean medical school? So, uh, for me was I had told myself, I put myself on strict deadlines, right? Um, when I applied to, I first applied to um, um, U.S. medical schools, but I also told myself I looked at the timeline. You know, like I said, everyone's afraid when you know when they hear the Caribbean schools, everyone goes, "Oh, everyone goes, ah." You know what I'm saying? But um, at that time, I remember giving myself a, a timeline. And the thing was, I, at that point, I, I had met like a surgeon or two at UT Southwestern who went to Caribbean med schools, and for me, it was about a timeline issue. So I realized that okay, like it took about a year to apply to med school, right? You apply this this August, you start school next year. And so I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, like how bad did I want to become a doctor? And what was like my timeline like? Like if I didn't get in this first time around, like did I want to do it again? You know, I remember um, a doctor, Antonio Brown, like he, he had applied, he had applied multiple times, you know, when I was watching his YouTube uh, going through undergrad. And- Web, Antonio Webb? Yeah, uh, I said Brown. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Antonio Webb. I'm sorry, Doctor Antonio Webb. Yeah, and um, Antonio. I about you got Antonio's. Hey, and it's crazy because we we watched him, and now he's a full fledged attendant, and that is motivation right there. That is motivation right there. So that I'm was, that's my guy. He's in um he's in our documentary. It's about to come out soon too. So you guys check him out. You get to see his story. Web. Um, so for me, it was like a timeline thing. One day, like I sat there and I thought I was like, wow, like every year that I don't get into a U.S. medical school, I'm losing out on a potential salary. Now, that's how I that's how I saw it. But then there was also the other side, like of going to the Caribbean schools. Like yeah, okay. talk about get it. So get into that. So a second ago, you were like, people were like, whoa, when they hear Caribbeans, why are people? Why, why is that the whoa? Why is that the reaction? 
because everyone feels like once you go to a Caribbean med school, like one, like people don't look at you the same. And two, it's the residency spot that people are always worried about. Like if they go to the Caribbean schools, that they're not going to land the residency of their choice. Like that's that's like the main thing, because I get pre-meds asking me right now, like, yo, like if you uh, if, if I go to the Caribbeans, can I match here? If you do this, can I match that? And a lot of that, a lot of those words come from like school advisors and like, you know, old school docs that are just like against, against the Caribbean schools. But for me, it was like, okay, like what, what, um, residency do I want to apply to? I want to apply to a surgical residency. So what I did was I did the research for myself and I just looked at the schools and I looked at their match rates. I looked at their match rates for every year because that tells me that if they're having students that are matching, that means that it's possible. You know what I'm saying? Okay. For, for everybody who doesn't, because we, we got some high school kids, people who don't understand the match rate, what, you know, what, um, Florence talking about the match rate is when you're in medical school, um, you go to med school for usually four years. And then after medical school, you go to residency where you get more training. So when he's talking about the match rate is, um, towards the end of medical school to de- decide what residency you go into, you have to apply to a bunch of programs. And then it's kind of almost like dating. You try to match up with a program. They try to match you. I like you. Do you like me? If both of you guys say yes, then you have a good shot at ending up with that school. So you got to match. So pretty much the idea is you want to you want to go to a medical school that has a good match rate that the students are actually ending up at the, these residency programs of your choice. That's the, that's the idea there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I saw for a lot of Caribbean med schools, like even in residencies like UT Southwestern Surgical Residencies, I saw that they were matching students from Ross, that they were matching students from SGU. So it wasn't impossible. Yeah. It wasn't impossible. And the moment I realized that it wasn't impossible, it was like, okay, you know, I spoke to one of the surgeons there at the time and he was like, look, like if you go there, put your head down and work, like there's no, there's no stopping you. And plus a lot of students that come here to the Caribbean schools, like some of them don't have, some of them just can't apply to med schools because they're not like citizens and stuff like that and they can't and they can't get in like there are a lot of smart kids down here and a lot of us like you know we have that chip on our shoulder so we work a lot harder you know we work a lot harder because some some students just don't think we're up to par and i think that's like that's that's because of um one the lack of knowledge that people have when it comes to looking up these schools and just the influence from other people like you know i had a uh, a pre-med ask me like hey can i get into a uh, anesthesia, anesthesiology residency, going to your school. I'm like, that depends on you, right? But I'm gonna go to the the um the the match for our school because they post it. And before I could even get to the end of the page, there were there were at least ten people that matched in anesthesiology residency. So it means it's possible. And for me, my beliefs, my belief in God allows me because I believe I'm a child of God, it allows my thoughts to say that I'm gonna shoot hundred percent from the field. I'm yeah, not gonna miss. So whatever surgical yeah. residency that I did you said what that's Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who straight. I do all things. I, I do all things. And you know it says, you know, in the Bible in the book of Matthew, it says it in red, what you ask in my name, you shall get your desires. Your desires of your heart, you shall get. It doesn't have a little asterisk by the side that says, like, only your desires are for three or two years old. It literally says your desires. So I believe that what I ask God for, like, it's not going to dim the lights of heaven. <laughs> and it's in red, meaning that Jesus said it. So I, I totally believe that, you know? So, sorry off topic, but I find it so fascinating that I'm, I'm a person of um, 
of um, strong biblical faith. Those are my personal beliefs. Not saying anybody got to believe what I believe, but that's what I believe. Um, but I, fi- I find it fascinating that so many people on this podcast, and I have no idea what anybody's faith is on this podcast. I have no, I have no idea. Right? We invite people. I don't know what you guys are. But I find it so fascinating that so many people who've gone through whatever we all go through stuff. They that faith element is such a strong part of it. Like our easily our our top rated podcasts are the ones that come to mind as the ones that are most loved. Is they have that strong faith element in the journey, man. You know, in Hebrew, you know, in Hebrews one, it says, or Hebrews, the Hebrews eleven, Hebrews eleven, it says that now faith is confidence in what we ask for, and assurance in what we do not see. So you got to have that confidence in what you're going for, and that's what faith is. That's what that faith is. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So let me um, so I'm, I'm gonna go on. The, I'm gonna go on the on the um offense, offense. I'm gonna attack you on some of these things about the Caribbean schools too. Let's go. So I, I want. I want. To, I want to throw them out there and get, and um, like a lot of the objections, Caribbean med schools. I'm gonna represent that angle. So I'm gonna be advocates. So don't be mad at me. I'm gonna bring it at you though. Um, because ultimately, at the end of the day, the reason I'm doing this podcast is because the real question about this podcast is: Are Caribbean medical schools a good option to increase the number of black men and white coats? That's kind of that's kind of what what I, what I'll get at at the end of all this. Hopefully, we'll have a. I'd like to hear your final thought when we're done towards the end of all this. But you, you're talking about the match rate. So one of the things that people talk about the Caribbean match rate is the, it, and I don't know if this is true or not. So I don't know. I didn't go to the Caribbean. I'm just saying the things that people say is they talk about this idea that the only people who even have the opportunity to apply for residency and match are people who have done well enough to get past the first two years. Cause what you hear people say is if you don't do well in the first year or two at the Caribbean schools, they won't even let you sit for your USMLE, your step one test. And they'll say, so they make you do all this practice stuff. And if you don't do well enough, they don't even let you sit for that test. So what's really happening is the people who are matching, those are the, the cream of the crop in these schools. And a lot of other people don't even make it to that level. They get booted out before that. Either that or, or they're told they have to keep on studying, studying, studying. Eventually they get tired, so they just leave on their own. Um, I, I do believe partially that is true. I do believe partially that's true because like, you know, you got to understand that these Caribbean schools, like they want their numbers to be good. And I understand that. I understand that because they want students to come in here. But I also think that at least my school so far, I, I feel like they adequately prepare me. I feel like I've, I feel like I've been adequately prepared to where like, I feel like I'm able to under really understand the concepts of the basic sciences because that's like everything my school, they teach us like based on the USMLE, based on like the step material, because that's how they want us. That's how they know is our end. But at the same time, like if you look at the numbers, I wish I, I wish I got them before I got here. It's still a lot of students. It's still a lot of students. I think my class right now is like, probably like in the 400s, maybe. I think we're probably like 400, maybe like low 500 students in my, in my cohort. And, um, but you know, we also have to understand that like through medical school, like a lot of people that are in med school also realize a lot of students that are here are also here of not their own will, right? Because their parents either sent them here. A lot of people that are in med school also realize that this thing ain't for everybody. So I think along the way, you're, you're going to have people drop out anyway along the way because this is a marathon. It's not a race, you know, but, not, so that, that I, I think that right there is the part where people get, people get really skeptical about Cuban medical schools. They wonder, are they accepting people? Like you're different. I can tell you got that grind, that grit, and you're not going to just tell about your journey, right? But are they accepting people who aren't flowering? Are they accepting a lot of people, um, who, who, quote unquote, want to be doctors, think they want to be doctors, but who might not be prepared to take on that medical school load, you know? Cause somebody might say, well, 
somebody might say, well, you know, you, you're bringing people in. And a lot of these, I don't know, I don't know if, um, I don't know how many of these schools are for profit, but I know they have a bit of for profit schools down there. So people's perspective on this is you've got a for profit school, you're accepting a lot of minorities who might not be adequately prepared for a medical school, but they're bringing them in, you're taking their money and they're not letting them move on to the next step. So that class of 500 that you start with might end up being a class of 200. So you got, and that number's made up. I have no idea. I'm just throwing an example out there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, here's my thought. Here's my thought about the Caribbean med schools is that like, I feel like for you to decide that you want to go to the like Caribbean islands to go to school, I feel like you need to be about the business. Like you need to know that like it's all or nothing. You have to know that you have to know that there's no turning back. So it's like part of me is like part of me is like, okay, like you you apply to American med school, you don't get in. Right. Are you are you actually not prepared? You know, because getting in in the U.S., like they want to see if you're actually prepared. Are you actually not prepared or are you just performing on the side of academic recklessness? Before I started this, before I started this school here, before I started med school here, I actually sat for a, a, a semester of preclinical um, science. It's called their little CFP program where it's just like pretty much the whole of med school in like a semester. It's just like uh, a real strong uh, foundation. And that's what I got. And I realized what I realized was that I didn't have that foundation before. That's what I realized. But I did not know that I didn't have that foundation because I didn't have anybody in America to, to, to really tell me that, you know? So I think that like a lot of the students that come here, like you have to know, but at the same time, like no school is going to hold your hand as well. Like if you want to come to medical school, cool, you can come to medical school, but you're going to also find out that you're going to get that smoke. So it's like, it's, 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 it's a two part thing. Cause I feel like a lot of the responsibility of people that come to the Caribbean is on themselves. Like, do you, like, are you really going to make that risk? Like, do you want to put in that work? Like, do you want to do that? You know? And then, you know, depending on the, you know, it's, it's a, it's a gamble. You know, I used to be a bad man in college. I don't bet no more. I used to be a bad man in college. So to me, it's all about them. It's all, it's, it's all about that. So that's I mean, how I feel about that. I feel like I was talking to one of my mentors recently, y'all. One of my one of my good good friends, one of my best friends and mentor, um, and we got into this type of discussion. You know, we're talking about this thing about it's, I don't I don't know what the exact topic it was, but it was the same exact idea. Of what you're saying, it was about um, you know, the idea of, of of people being given an opportunity but having to having to sacrifice a lot for. So you go to Caribbean school, you got to pay a lot of money and all that stuff like that, right? Um, and I was and I was telling them the perspective. I was like, well, you know. Are they praying on people? Are they praying on these people or whatever? And then he said exactly what you said, pretty much, but in different words. He was like, look, this is America. I know Caribbeans are America, but talking about the American dream, the concept. Like this, that's the American dream. The American dream is about opportunity. Like we're giving you an opportunity. What you do with it is on you, <clears throat> but you have an opportunity. Now, and his point was like, how can you feel bad about somebody getting an opportunity? And if they don't make it, they don't make it, but you give them an opportunity. Um, that's not to say that some people, I don't know, some schools might be taking advantage of people, but to your point though, you're, you're, you're saying like, Hey, you need to be, you need to know what you're getting into before you get there and realize I've got an opportunity. If I make it, I've, I've made that bet. If I don't make it, I made that bet. Yeah. That's all me. Mm-hmm. That's exactly, that's exactly how I feel about that because it's like, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, if I, if I had a farm and I was planting bad crops, 
or if I had a farm and and and, and bad crops came of, uh, about my farm, and someone came to me and tried tried to you know get fruit and realized it was all bad fruit, like who am I going to blame? I, who am I going to blame? I can't blame the next person for 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 my doing for my fruits. I can't blame anybody else for that. You know that I had an opportunity. Someone gave me the land. You know, someone gave me the land and gave me all the materials that I needed. What type of fruit am I going to produce? If I produce bad fruit, like I can't blame anybody else but the farmer. <laughs> I really can't because it means that he wasn't he wasn't adequately taking uh, taking after his agriculture stand. He wasn't he wasn't doing the right things, you know. And are there schools that are probably praying? Absolutely, I'm sure there's schools because, like, you know, uh, the you know, especially with the the low. How many wants to ask you? How many wants to me? How many wants to ask you which ones? But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> You know, I have, I have a feeling about the ones, you know what I'm saying? But I don't, I don't want to do that either. But uh, I have a feeling about which ones. And that's why you really have to, you know, do do the thorough research. Because some of them, I remember when I initially wanted to apply to med school back in 2015. 2015 was where I wanted to actually apply. There was a Caribbean school that reached out to me and was like, yeah, 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 just, just, just pull up, just pull up. And, you know, at one point I was like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll go. But I was like, how about I just like try my chances here first and then see what happens? You know, the only reason why I applied to the Caribbean was because I told myself as I was applying, if I didn't get an interview by a certain day, I was going to apply to Caribbean school. And because I was because in 2019, I said let me, that. Let me, let me get you on that. So how how strong do you even feel about that strategy? Is that the right strategy? Would you recommend that timeline strategy to other people? Because I mean, you got some you got some people who will be like, you should never ever go to a Caribbean school. And you know, re- really speaking, the reality reality is more than likely I'm willing to bet. I don't know your academic performance, but I'm willing to bet if you'd have applied the next year or the year after, whatever, you'd have gotten into a U.S. school, right? That's my bet. Yeah. You know, you know, I think that the reason, honestly, the reason why I applied to uh, the Caribbean school was because whenever I was about to apply to med school, the year, the year before I was going to apply to med school, there was this one school, I ain't going to name that school. There was this one school who had that um, preclinical program, you know, that, that semester long or that year long master program that people going, that post-bac program. I honestly, one thing I honestly believe is that Every med student, if you're not scoring above a certain point, I think that you should be placed straight into a prep program or a post-bac to get a real solid foundation. Because what I realized was that after I finished a solid foundation and I went back to look at my MCAT questions, I was like, I had it all wrong. I had it all wrong. But I applied to this one school, right? And this one school had said that, okay, we take in people who are um, academic, who have, you know, academic issues, low academic scores, and we use this as an academic rebuilding program. So for me, I was like, and then they say like, you know, 80% of people that pass that program, you know, will get matriculation into the, the partner in med school. So I was like, okay, that's, that's cake. That's easy. You know, at the time, you know, uh, you know, my, my um, GPA was, about uh two two eight two nine at that point, and I was like, okay, like you know, if I can get into this academic rebuilding program and beast it out, then I'm getting into med school like no no issues, no worries. So I applied to that program. I did everything, every single thing that they asked me to do, everything, including including 
taking the MCAT before I was ready. They had told me that they needed an MCAT on file. Now going back, I would not do that. Don't ever take the MCAT until you're ready. That Don't take it until you're ready. But I took it that first time because they said that they needed it on file and that you, whenever you're in the program, you be, you would, you would have to take it again, which sounded kind of odd to me, but I was just trying to get in med school. So I did everything they asked me to do. I apply and then I don't get accepted. So then after I don't get accepted, they send me a letter and they say, Hey, we want you to come in. We want to discuss about your performance and how you can do better. So for me, I'm all about constructive criticism. Give me that. Let me hear it. Cause one thing I'm understanding about med school is that you got to come in. You got to, you got to put that part down. You got to be humble because we all don't know nothing. <laughs> you know, we all don't know nothing. And I get proof that every single day. I've been a doctor for, I've been a doctor for 10 years now and I still feel like I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. That's, so, that's the way you have to life. You know? That's the way. So I, I go into her office. <laughs> I never forget this. I go into her office. I sit down and I'm expecting her to say like, okay, you know, if you do this, you do this, you do that, you know, you'll definitely get in the next round. This lady goes, she goes, you know, the mean GPA of people that we accepted this term was a 3.5 GPA. And she said even further that in order for you to get into our program, you would have to go back to your undergrad and retake these classes and then apply to our program. And then you'll get accepted. And immediately I was like, so you said the mean GPA is 3.5? She said, yeah, I said, but this is an academic rebuilding program. She said, yes. I said, so that means if you, if your mean is a 3.5, you got people above 3.5, you got people below 3.5. And she said, yeah. And I said, so, so now you want me to go back to my undergrad and go retake classes before I apply to your program? I said, doesn't make, doesn't that make your program kind of obsolete? Because if I go back to undergrad and take, retake these classes and I get a better GPA, then what do I need your program for? And she just looked at me and she was just like, you know, you can, you can always, um, go. I said, ma'am, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And at that moment, you broke up a little bit. She, what she tell you? you Oh, I said, she said, I can always be involved in. She said, I don't have to be a physician. And I said, Thank you so much for your time. I'm out. Yeah. And so because of that experience, you know, taking the MCAT when I wasn't ready, you know, and, and the thing was, I understood that a post back would be better for me. I understood that. I understood that. And I was, that happened to me because now I have a, I have a bad, I have a bad MCAT against me. So now I'm working, I'm having to work double time because I already have one X on my MCAT. Yeah. And I'm having to take it again. So that itself was, it, it was tough for me. But like, yeah, I had, you had a lot of bad guidance. You had bad I had, guidance. I had terrible guidance. Terrible. I <laughs> had terrible guidance. Almost no guidance. That hurts me, man. That hurts me because that was probably easily one of the most common things that you hear, especially from, um, you know, I hear at least, you know, black pre-meds tell me. And, um, you know, a lot of black doctors now, right? And people who tried to go to journey didn't make the journey. You hear a common theme. Some of them said they just have bad guidance. They didn't know where to go to for advice, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Crazy. That's great. So, so part of it was, part of what you're saying, if I'm going to say this right, is part of the reason you went to Caribbean schools because you had bad guidance, but were you jaded in a sense? You had a yeah, bad I, taste in your mouth. 
Yeah, I, I did. I felt, you know, I've, I felt that, you know, I, I felt that and it added fuel to my fire. But then it allowed me to understand that I wasn't going to get rejected again when I applied. I said, period. I said, I'm starting med school the like 2020. I said, I'm starting med school like the, the following year because the way I actually I applied uh, 2018. Sorry. I said, I'm starting med school 2019, period. I don't care what anybody says. I'm starting. So I told myself if I didn't get um, interviews by late 2018, early 2019, I was applying med school because I told myself that by that summer, I was starting. I wasn't getting rejected again. I was tired of the rejection. I was tired of it. What, what, did people, what were people telling you when you went out, when you told your mom or you told your friends, I'm going to go to Caribbean Medical School? What were people telling you? Were people telling you not to go? Nah, people were like, hey, you get to go to Caribbean? What? Because I'm, I'm a traveler. I'm a traveler. I love traveling. Like before I started school, like I did a nine country, 30 day backpack. Like I, I'm a solo traveler. Like I'm going to go everywhere and anywhere. So to them, it was like, wow, like you get to, you get to go or be on an island and study medicine. Like that's like the best of both worlds. And to me, it was like, my mom was like, yeah, you know, it would be, I'm a people person. So my mom was like, yeah, you know, it'd be good for you to, to go somewhere else. I'm not afraid if you go somewhere else so that you can go be there and you know that business is business. Cause at this point I knew that business was business that I, that it, this is no playing around coming here. You know, there's no playing around. So, so, tell, so tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. Well, we talked about it a little bit, but tell me more about how high, how high do you rate the stakes? How high are the stakes for you right now? Before you say it's all or none, go into that more. Cause I want people pre-med, cause there's going to be a lot of pre-meds who listen to this. Who are going to have that question? Should I go to Caribbean school? Who are in your exact spot? You are in, they're in it right now. How high are the stakes? What do they need to really understand about the stakes right now? Um, I think for like, for me, it's crazy because, like I said, based off my beliefs, Dr. Dale, I believe it's rigged in my favor. Like that, that alone allows me to just go full fledged because I know it's rigged in my favor. Like it's, it's going to happen. And I think once you have that mindset, the mindset really, really, it's really, really key. It really, really matters. Like it really matters because med school is a marathon, no matter where you go, whether you go in the States, whether you go in the Caribbean, it's a marathon. And the moment you understand that, you you understand a lot of things. Not you you can't like I said, you can't be you gotta come with this whole humility thing. You gotta put that pride down. Right. So, you know, the stakes, I mean the stakes I think are like how where where's your mental state coming in? Do you do you know how to learn or are you actually willing to learn? You know, are you willing to learn? And I think that by the first year of med school, you can kind of tell. You can kind of tell those ones that probably won't make it. But at the same time, it's always important to remember that like this, this is what kept me going for the longest time was every doctor I've met, y'all all kind of the same. Y'all work hard. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you put your face. I'm like, it's all kind of the same. So that means that they all just weren't turned. They all just, they all just didn't like, they all weren't born that one person process. Yeah. It, it's a, pro, it's a, it's a process. And that's you must trust the process. So to me, it's telling me that if every doctor that went to medical school became a doctor, it means that they went through the process of becoming a doctor. So if I didn't get something today, it doesn't mean I'm dumb. It doesn't mean I can't get it. You have to continue to grind. You have to embrace the grind. So if you love the grind, 
If you love getting your nose like down and dirty, then I think that this is something that you can do. I, I, I think it's something that you can do. But I will always say to people, like, if you have the opportunity to do a post-bac program in America to get your foundations right, then you should be able to get into a med school. Because I think the issue is a lot of us, especially minorities, we don't have a solid foundation in our sciences the way we think we do. We actually don't. Okay, so that, that, that raises the question. How do you know? How do you know ahead of time if you have that foundation? Because you said you didn't figure it out till you took that semester course. How does somebody know that that foundation? You got a lot of kids out here and I see them. So I know you see them too. A lot of kids out here who think they have it. How, how can somebody, you know, come face to face with the fact like, Hey, I, maybe I'm just not ready. You know, I, I'll, I'll give the example. Like, um, it's not a medical example, but when I was trying to start building black men and white coats and diverse medicine and, and writing books, all this stuff, I remember wanting to be so much further ahead than I was. I had, I had a guy named Darius, a good friend of mine. Um, used to disciple us and all sorts of stuff. And I'll go to Darius. I'm like, Darius, how come things aren't working? Why am I being so much failure? And he said, Dale, you're just not ready yet. He's like, you're just not ready yet. God's not going to give you something you're not ready for yet. Right? You know, you can't handle a million bucks if you can't, if you don't know how to handle a thousand bucks. But how do you know, especially through a medicine, that you're not ready to handle that million bucks yet, that you're still at a thousand bucks? Mm, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a great, that's a great question because I feel like, like you said, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with that. You know, um, I think that that comes with introspection, reflection, personal time. Like, okay, you know, especially, and, I, and I, it's crazy because I, I was one of those people like, man, the MCAT shouldn't matter, this, that, and the third, you know what I'm saying? But then I also had people in my program who killed the MCAT and didn't really get the, the weren't doing at the best as they can be doing like in the pre-program that I was doing. So it, it comes to the understanding, like, what do you understand? I'm starting to realize that like, okay, like these objectives, they tell you everything that they want you to know. Like, where's your comprehension? You can't be reckless because you just want to be there. And I think that's a lot of us that we're just like, we just want to be there. We just want to be there. But do you have the basic level of comprehension? Like, do you know what a question is asking you? Can you comprehend as to what the a question is asking you? That's where I really knew like, okay, like um, that I was getting ready was because I started to understand because when I was taking an MCAT, I just didn't, I don't think I was really processing. I didn't think I really had a good processing speed. I didn't really think I was comprehending anything. And you know, like in med school, like they hit you with facts, first order questions. But then after that, it's understanding and comprehension. And those things in the MCAT, when they were like, you know, I started to realize, you know, identify being first order questions, understand, describe being second order, you know, concept, context, apply, con apply concept, those things like can you do those things? And a lot of the time, like sometimes I believe that we're not looking at the material the way we should. We all think that we should learn one way, but I'm understanding that the way I studied for FTM one wasn't the way I studied for CPR. And it definitely wasn't the way I'm studying for Euro. So, you, you know, you got to understand that you're constantly evolving, you're constantly changing. But for the, for the person who wants to know if they're ready, I think that you have to ask your question to that self. You have to look at your grades and look at everything in front of you and ask yourself, do I think I really have what it takes to move forward? And if you think you do, like, 
don't say you do because you don't want to you don't want to go against yourself. Really ask yourself that question. That's a hard. That's that's hard, man. It's a hard thing for people to do. It, it's it's so hard. It's it's absolutely so hard because I'm starting to realize that Doctor Dale, like if I went to if I was accepted in med school like 27, like that 2015, 2016, that that Caribbean school was applying to me, I would have been back home and I would have been like, yeah, like med school is uh, definitely not for me or it's all a scam, you know, like it was all a scam. But then sometimes you have to ask yourself, like, what did you do? You know, what's the work that you're putting in? You know, even if you didn't do well after the first test, how are you breaking that test down? Are you still using the same strategies that you did the first time? When you take an MCAT practice test, are you still hitting the same score? Okay, you're hitting the same score. Well, are you going back to, are you checking out your strategy? What are those words? One of the best I ask myself is whenever I don't understand something, I've started to realize that all I have to do is ask myself, Florent, what's your gap? There's a gap here. Where's that gap? And the moment you can identify your gap in anything, everything just becomes that much easier because you know you can just focus on that gap instead of just looking everywhere else. So it's like introspective time. Do you know, do you know where your gaps of knowledge are? You know, are you willing to put in a little more work there, work there? And, you know, just really being honest with yourself. Cause I, I, I understand we all want to become doctors. It's great. Everybody wants to become a doctor until that first test come <laughs> or, or until that first DLA come and, and they give you, and you got 10 lectures a week, but you got 20 DLAs that you're supposed to go over. Are you, are you, um, organized? Are you, do you study the way you study in, in undergrad? If you still have that undergrad lifestyle, you're not ready for med school. Yeah. It remind me of, um, I don't know if this is Eric Thomas or not, but you know, Eric Thomas, the team football preacher. You know, it's say everybody want to be a beast until it's time to do what beasts do. Everybody want to be a beast until it's time to do what beasts do. You know, and that's facts. And you, and you already, you already been there before I did it. So, like, you know exactly, you know exactly what I'm talking about. People don't understand the work that goes into this episode. So, tell me about diversity in your school. What does diversity look like out there? Because again, we'll go back to this question um, about. We can't get more black. We're not, we're not doing a great job getting more black men into the field of medicine from the U.S. schools, right? So, you know, is it something, is it about, let me tell you this, man. So, all this black men and white coast stuff we do, I talk to a lot of people, right? So, I was talking to one of the presidents of one of these Caribbean schools, and, you know, person was just all bragging about, oh, we're making partnerships with this U.S. school and that U.S. school and this HBC, and making, just bragging about all this stuff, um, and just talking about all these partnerships you're making with these schools to get to to fix this problem by getting more black men to the field of medicine, and just saying all these things, and I'm like, that's cool, but you have to show me the you have to show me the pudding and proof is in the pudding. Like you can make as many partnerships as you want. In my mind, you know, I, I feel what you're saying, Flora, and about it's on the individual um, to make it. But in my mind, when you tell me you're making these partnerships, half of me is thinking like, oh, that's good, maybe we'll get some more. The other half of me is thinking like, are you going to help these kids get through? You're gonna give them that that foundation time. You're gonna give them that foundation, and you're gonna take these kids' money, and you're gonna have a bunch of black kids out there who who try to figure things out because they're hundred thousand dollars in debt now with no medical degree, right? Yeah. So, so tell me about what diversity looks like at. I know you're just at one school, but if you have any ideas what diversity in the Caribbean schools, at least your school looks like, and then how many of these kids are you seeing go on to make it from the the black kids? You know, like how's how's it looking like for for people who look like you and me? You know, um, it's crazy because I accounted, I remember counting like first semester, um, at least like 
20 uh, black guys like in my cohort. And I remember- That was about 20 out of like 500 or so? Yeah, yeah. And I remember being like, wow, like, you know, I still remember, I still remember being like, wow, you know, there's, there's still black faces. But then, um, at my school, there are actually a lot of black faces and not just because like we're on the island as well, because a lot of the med school population is from the United States. Um, and you know, it's an international school. So we get people from Africa, we get people from, um, you know, Europe and Asia and stuff like that. So from, for what I have seen so far, like, you know, the, 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 uh, the black people that I've seen at my school, we're, we're holding each other up. We're, we're doing well. We're grinding. We, we, we stay in touch. You know, I know a lot of us are in that SNMA and SNMA is great. I think any pre-men, I know pre-meds can join SNMA themselves, but it's a real good way to stay connected diversely. Right. And, um, as well, like even people who are in front of me, like I know, uh, uh, a couple of people who are in front of me, you know, who are in their clinicals right now, you know, and, 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 and they're doing what they do right now. So it's, it's always good looking at people who are in front of you, you know, as well as, uh, so, so you can know that, yeah, if they're doing this, like it's, it's, it's absolutely possible for me. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the guys, especially the guys that I know right now, they're in their like term five right now. So like they're, you know, finishing their, they should be finishing their semester up soon and then preparing to take steps. So I know that in the beginning of next, in the middle of next year, I'll start to see a lot of those guys, especially those guys, right? Because like women, they always do awesome. <laughs> like women, they always doing awesome. They always doing awesome. I always put my, I put my hand out, put my head to my head. Some actually, you know, black women don't get mad at this. Black men, black women don't get mad at this. Sometimes people from outside races will get mad at me. Like, why did you start something called Black Men and White Coast? I'm like, because we need help. You know, the black women are holding it down, right? We started Black Men and White Coast because a lot of the black men, yeah, like, yeah, the, the, you know, you know, uh, it was your. It's crazy because it was uh, your episode that you did on Dr. Brian Williams and all, and I think there was another doctor that uh, that works at UT. I always used to see him. I think he's a cardiologist. He's worked a lot of J's. Yeah, and I remember watching them, and when I watched them, I was like, yeah, I can, I, I can. I can, that means I can do this. Yeah. That was like, you know, I tell people that like black men and white coats has been dear to my heart because it really allowed me to just see past like any other, it allowed me to see so far into the future. Like it, it really allowed me to do that. It allowed me to initiate like, yeah, I can actually go be a global physician. I can actually do that. I can, I, I can actually do that. And like you said, you know, for black women, we just know that they, they just be working hard. Like they, they gonna grind, like they, they just be working hard. But for us black men, I feel like it's been, you know, we've had like a lot of these pressures and especially mentally and mentally, I feel like a lot of black men have been like encapsulated in a box as well as being beat down as what they think they can do and they feel limited. And that's why black men and white coats is so important because it's like, it allows, you know, the influenceable ages of black men to really realize and be like, yeah, like I can actually, I can go do that. So like for all the black men that I know at, at my school, like we all stay, you know, we, we, we stay in touch, we chop it up. You know, we always uplift one another because it's so important. It's, we call each other kings, doctor, you know, it's, it's, it's so important that uplifting nature is so important. And I think that, um, uh, it is, it has helped me so far, you know, seeing other, other black men, you know, here 
as well, knowing that like, okay, they, they knew the same, they decided the same thing that I decided that by all means that they were going to become a doctor and nothing was going to stop them. And I think that one thing I've noticed is we all have the same, uh, like the same grit. And I think that's all like med students because you, you just don't want to fail, but <laughs> you usually, you just want to do well, but we all have that same like, yeah, I want to do this because I know that there's, there's uh, a black patient out there, you know, that, you know, that wants to feel comfortable seeing a, uh, a black physician. I knew that because working as an EMS and working on the ambulance, I would, I would have those, those, um, those interactions with patients that are just surprised that, you know, an, an EMT is, is coming to them. And I'm like, yo, no, this, but it should be normal. It should be normal. So the diverse, I, I like the diversity. I, I do. And I think, uh, yeah, I like the diversity. I do. No, that's excellent. Excellent. So you know, let's get the, the, the crux, the big question then are Caribbean medical schools, is that a good strategy to increase as before, before we, before I answer, because that's going to be the big boom, boom, boom question. That's what that's, that's going to be. Right? That's going to be the napalm. Yeah, there you go. So before I ask that question, let me ask, what happens? Again, I'm, I, I want to make sure I put all the negative stuff out there so people can think this thing through because people are going to hear what you're saying, Flower, and they're going to make decisions based on this. So what happens to that student who is struggling and struggling and struggling in the Caribbean school, um, who maybe did not have that foundation, who doesn't make it, right? So what happens to that student? Um, so they started med school, didn't finish it. What do you know about like that? What are they doing? That's question one. Question two is what happens to that student who finishes and doesn't match? So now they have an MD degree, but they have nowhere to go to. Like what would you say was was it a good decision for them to go to Caribbean school or not? You know, <clears throat> for the student who who came in and uh, and was struggling, um, I think that to that person. You know, the question really states that, okay, like, you know, it seems like through your exams, because one thing I've noticed is through each semester, like you have at least like five, six exams per each semester. So it's like um, at every exam, were you being truthful as far as where you were? Did you take a CR? If you could, if you, if you could take a CR, did you take the CR? What is, this? What is a CR? It's like a re- remediation thing, right? Where it's like, you're not doing well. You can't, cause you have to, cause I know we have, our school has like, uh, by each semester, you know, you're supposed to have, uh, a certain grade before you can, before you can move on to the next semester. And I know that some people take CRs, like whether I guess leave of absences or if they just failed, I know that they, they're able to at least repeat. Um, I think once in the first year and I think once in the second year, I don't know, don't, don't quote me on that, but I think you get one retry. I think you get, I think you get a retry and I think that's good. But if you do get that remediation, you do get that, right? Um, did you, did you learn from it the first time or were you barely making it through? Cause you know, like sometimes like back in undergrad, like, you know, you barely make that C, you know, were you really learning as you went forward? Because I think that, you know, um, but then, but then as well, like, I know it gets to a certain point that you really have to ask yourself that have you done everything you're supposed to do? And if you still aren't doing well, then that's when, you know, I always hate to say, cause I don't like people's dreams like dying, you know, but then as well, it's like, was that really your dream? 
you know, was, was that really your dream? Because that also matters. And, and, and also this, another thing is, okay, let's say you didn't do well. Let's say you did fail out of med school. Like, you know, what was the reason that you fell out of med school? Do you really think that school preyed on you? Do you really think that, um, or you do, or were you not prepared? And if that's something that you still want to do, are you able to, I don't really know if people can like reapply to others. I don't really know about that, but like, um, you know, at that point, if you fail out of school at that point, then it's like, okay, was medicine really for me? Because at the same time, like we also have to be as realistic as we can, or maybe you need to take, maybe you need to take time off. You know, just maybe it wasn't the right time for you to to go through that. It's and maybe I would, I, you know, I would say it goes back to what you were saying before. Man, a lot, of, so much of this stuff really comes down to how do you know if you're ready, um, mm-hmm. and are you ready, and do you have that guidance? Because some people are just floundering; they have no idea. They don't have that guidance either. They don't know where to get it from, or they're not listening to it. Because I mean, you could fail out, and it might not be. It might not be that it's not your dream. It might be that you just weren't prepared. Prepared, yeah. And I, I would argue, first of all, that you know that's why I would say it's predatory if the schools know you're not prepared but still accept you. You know, I think that's a problem, right? Um yeah. And I don't know if you're doing that or not, but if they are doing that stuff, then you cut that nonsense out because that's garbage if you're doing that. So, Absolutely. but then the, the question becomes like, what is? It's just that it like, were you prepared? Should you not have started at a Caribbean school even? Right? Should you? Should you have? I don't know what, but you do have done something more connected with the right people and resources to get prepared before you started day one, you know? And that's why I always tell people, that's why I always tell people, like, apply in the United States first. Like, apply there first. Like, do whatever you can to get into United States school because, you know, like, their standards are strict standards. Like, do whatever you can to get into American school. Like, Go back and go take prereqs. Go back and go back and take a postback because I know a lot of people do postback programs now. Go take a post if you apply, don't get in. Take a postback and get in and try and get in because I know a lot of schools are starting to do that whole bridge process and stuff like that. So like, go there first because it's like the moment you decide to come here, it's <laughs> it's a lot of like now it's up to a lot of the individual. Now, my school, I think that the school that I'm going to, uh, St. George's University, I think that they do give me everything I need to do, everything I need to uh, do to excel. I think they give me that. I think they give, um, I think stu- students, you know, students, we always uh, help students out. I also think that, like, they give you, like, you know, the academic enhancement programs. Like, they want you to succeed. I've seen that for myself. I don't know how anybody else interprets that, but for myself, I see that, you know, so... But at the same time, it's, it's for, uh, it's, it's, it's for the person to realize that, okay, like, am I just going to Caribbean school because like they didn't accept me and I want to start school? That's where like a lot of the, that's where a lot of the issues is because it's like, if they want to just come and like start school, but haven't really had their foundation, then those are the people that are probably going to fail out because the U S will, they will kind of give you, they would, they, they will kind of give you that like, okay, like, uh, you know, find your guidance, find your, uh, your mentors. And that's why I love the fact that you started that, um, diversemedicine.com because it allows people to stay in touch and allows, you know, allows, it, it allows for good guidance. And that's important because anybody coming to the Caribbean, I would always tell them first, like, did you apply to the United States? Like, because I do some, I do feel like I'm a unique situation a lot of the times. Like, did you apply to American schools? What was that like? What was your MCAT like? Okay, when you're studying for the MCAT, 
do you really understand the content? Or are you just trying to get in this with huh? So do you have people at your school who didn't apply to U.S. schools first? Um, people from the U.S. Who didn't do it? People who are from the U.S. Or the most of them, most of them apply to U.S. first? Yeah. 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 No, I think I think I had some people just apply here because some people are just like, I know I want to become a doctor and that's it. You know, someone's just like, yeah, I don't want to wait that year. And some people are like, I don't want to wait that year because you know that like, I always tell people like, it's always that like, one, two percent of people that come into med school and where, wherever they go, they're floating and they're doing well. The 90, 95, 96 percent of us, we got to work our tails off. So, you know, like there are some there are some cats here. And we also have a lot of Canadian students here as well. But because um, their system is quite different. But for the U.S. students, I know some do apply here. Some do apply. Some do take postback programs back home. And then apply here because of that year, that whole year cycle. You know, sometimes if you don't, if you don't hit the right point in applying that year, you could miss it. And that's a whole year. And for me, that was like, bro, that's a whole year. That, 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 that's a whole year. Like, that's a whole year. So, um, it's, it's on you, man. You gotta have the, you gotta have the mindset. You gotta be ready when you go down there. And, and you gotta also think about it. Like, we also want to become doctors, right? You, you want to become a doctor. So there's also like, you also got to have that certain thing about you, that certain little responsibility about you. You know, you got to be true to that responsibility about you. Like, have you done, like I always say, like, we're all scientists, right? Have you done your research? Mm-hmm. Have you done your adequate research? You know, I was kind of a research coordinator. Have you done your adequate research? Like, you know, like, okay, d- when you got your data back, did you analyze your data across what you, what you've done? That's everything that's building a scientist because that's who we are. Look, evidence-based medicine, that, that's, that's who we are. So it's like, as a young, as a young one, as a pre-med, are you starting to have those tendencies? Yeah. You know, and, and, and that, that's what it, that's, I feel like that's what it takes. Like, you know, like not everyone, everyone wants to become a doctor, but like we said earlier, like everybody want to be a beast until it comes to do beast things. Well, when you want to become a beast, you got to start acting like a beast yeah. at some point. Before you actually fully become a beast, you gotta start acting like a beast, right? The little, the little uh, lion cub be roaring, and he don't even be having the voice to to roar, but it be roaring all the time until it gets mature, and then boom, they got the biggest roar in the in, in the in the safari, you know. So, so, so a lot of that. All right. So, the big question: What it comes down to? I need I need you to break this down for me. So, when when all these students come to me, say, "Doctor Dale, should I apply to a career med school?" These black men come to me. Do I need it? Do I need to put that in my strategy to help get more black men into the field of medicine? Do we need to be? Do we need to be finding ways for our black meds for our black pre meds? If for whatever reason they're, they're having trouble in, in the states, getting to the states, do we need to find mechanisms to get them in some of these Caribbean schools? Is sending black men to Caribbean schools a good strategy to get more black men and white coats to take care of people in the states? I say, I'm going to say yes on the account that I think that the, the black men, I, and this is where I, I feel like, you know, there's responsibility on everyone's part, especially for black men. Like, I want to see us black men win. Like, I, like, like there has to get more of us have to get inside medicine. Right. Um, and I also think that every black man that wants to pursue medicine, there's something different about them. I don't know. There's just something different about them. Like they want to put in that work and they want to grind. 
They want to grind, but they just want the what? They just want the opportunity. They literally just want the opportunity. And I feel like any black boy that's given that opportunity in a world where opportunity seems so slim for them, I think it's something that they would jump at. And it's something that they would cherish because they understand that opportunities like that don't come around often for them. And so for for students like us right now who are in these schools, I think it's our responsibility to the pre-meds who are black, who are minorities, to be honest about the school that they're coming to. I don't mind. I don't mind talking to a pre-med and telling them about school. Like if I felt like I was being preyed on or if I felt like, you know, like they were just like it just wasn't it. And I wouldn't want to see another brother be in that situation. Then I would tell him that. I I don't just want you know I'm gonna be like at the end of the day it's your own it's your own like decision, but like I would want somebody to tell me, like, like what would I tell myself? You know what would I tell myself? So it's like you know the ones that are in med school can we keep it? Can we can we stay in contact? Can we can we let other brothers know? But then as well like the ones who are applying, that's why I say I feel like every black man that I legit want to be a doctor like it's not it's not any awesome like they legit want to become a doctor and so because they legit want to become a doctor and they see that that opportunity is there they're going to work for that opportunity and if you're coming in humble if you're coming in understanding that you're not going to know everything if you're coming in using the resources they give you when i when i first got here I was in their supplemental learning there. I was, I was there all the time. They knew me. They knew my face. They knew my face. Cause I was not going to let anything be the reason why I wasn't, I wasn't passing. I'm going to give like, like we have these, you know, student led, um, review groups. I'm going to go to them. Like, why not? Like, I need all the help that I can get. Like, it's a lot of studying. It's a, yeah, but it's another pass among the material, you know, cause I feel like a lot of us didn't really have that strong foundation that basis for a foundation when we're coming to school, I really saw a lot of the differences. You know, I get that. I'm like, damn, how did you, how did you even know that? Oh yeah, I got that in my undergrad. Oh, well, okay. Or I learned that in high school. Oh, okay. Well, you see that there's an issue staying back to high school yeah. there because there, there's levels, there's just levels. So it's like, but I do truly under, I do truly believe wholeheartedly that as a black man, the moment they decide that they want to become a doctor, they legit want to become a doctor. And all you got to do is give them the chance to become a doctor, give them the right people to surround them and the right help that they need. And they will flourish to become the doctor that we all know that they can become. So yeah, like I, I definitely think it's a good strategy. I think that if somebody, if a student did come to you, if a pre-med did come to you, I think that you should sit down and have that conversation like, hey, man, like this is this is what the deal is like. Antagonize them, you know, and and antagonize, like talk to them and make them like bring the truth out of themselves. Like. It's that they have right now that can help them succeed in med school, organizational school, uh, organizational skills is an A1. Like, can you stay organized? Right. Do you know how to manage your stress? Do you understand like you might have to change your study, um, uh, your study habits because not material is not always going to be the same. You know, what, what's your, you know, what's your, how do you bring down your stress? Like all those things are, I feel like are so important when sending kids to the Caribbean school because we want them to succeed. We want them to succeed like wholeheartedly. And any black man out there that, that wants to talk, 
let's let's chat. Let's let's have that conversation. I don't mind telling you that, hey, like, you know, this is what I did. What I did might not work for you, but you got to find out what works for you. And you got to be you got to be ready, because at the end of the day, like, like I said, the fruits that come from your that you harvest, they're going to be on your account. So it's like, are you are you going to are you ready to do the things that are that that you need to do in order to get to where you need to be? And like, I'm going to keep saying it again. I feel I just feel like every black man that wants to get into medicine, they legit want to get into medicine. Like they legit want to do whatever they can do. But of course, like if you can apply home first, go ahead. And I but I also think that if you apply to the Caribbean schools, you should actually uh, try and take a, um, uh, a basic sciences like post back. I think that would help you. Honestly, I think if you take a semester of just hardcore like sciences or if you do a post back program, then you will be, you will be prepared coming to the Caribbean school. You will be prepared. But if you're just coming, if you're just taking the MCAT, your MCAT was low and um, but you still want to become a doctor, then I'm like, unless you have some type of crazy grit and, you know, you don't care, then OK, and you're willing to bet on yourself, then OK. But I think that you should you should take a course. I think that you should find a university that has a, as a post back for medical sciences and take that. Cause I also noticed that a lot of the black uh, guys that are here, some of them have like that medical sciences um, certificate. Some of them have that. So it's like, you know, when they got here, like they, un- they understand the foundation because med school, like they're not going to be asking you what mitosis meiosis is. You got to know what that is already. <laughs> you know, you have to know. So yeah, so foundation. Now, now I'm telling you, like, yeah, those kids that come, let's make sure they have a solid foundation before they before they make that move. That's what I'm talking about, man. Man, I love it, man. I appreciate it. So, you know, we got this video, we got the podcast. We're gonna get the podcast like we always do. We're gonna make sure we post this on diversemedicine.com with Florida. I'm gonna ask you to go on there and you know answer people's questions, whatever. If people ask questions on this, you guys, you guys want to um know more about it. You have more questions about the Caribbean schools. You know, we'll post this on diversemedicine.com so you can just post a comment or whatever and Polaron can respond and give you his thoughts. If you have any more follow-up questions, let's get the conversation going. Make sure you guys know what you need to know. And, um, you know, that's why we built it to have a community so people like Polaron can bring you guys, bring you guys that resource and that information. So, you know, we definitely appreciate you. Well, man, it's been some good stuff. I learned a lot of stuff in this episode. So I'm just going to say thank you. I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. I know you got exams. I know you got to study. I know you got to do what you got to do so we can get another black man in a white coat. So I appreciate you taking that minute, taking this time for it. Um, I can't wait for that movie. I can't wait for that movie. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. It's gonna Cannot be, wait. Yeah, you're going to enjoy it. It's a, I mean, the film's going to have people thinking, man. It's, it's, it's more a film to get people thinking and asking questions. And, you know, the few people who have seen it for, like, our screens while we're making it, it just turns it, you know, within the first five minutes, instead of them watching the film, they got to pause it because they just start debating and having conversations. Love that. Love that. Love that. Love that. Something to make people think and, and get into. That's what that's what we're trying to do. Get people really love out there. That. Do y'all still do? Do y'all still? Because I remember, like, do y'all still feature students on like the? Because uh, uh, I remember y'all had like a couple like visuals with students that were like uh, with actual students and black men, white coast. Do y'all still do stuff like that? Um, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. We feature students in different things. Okay, because uh, I remember like, they had like their own like videos. I remember like their own videos at one point. I remember seeing maybe like two med students like back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we haven't done one of those in a while, but yeah, we did one like we did Bailey. I know what you're talking about. 
We haven't done one of those in a while. The reason is because for the past, all we've been doing is making this movie, man. I can't wait. I can't yeah, wait. Yeah, we just been putting the, put work in the movie. It's going to be good. It's got some good stuff in it. And we're making some moves. And I think, you know, you know, the, the hope is that the right people see it and it makes them really, really focus on this episode. But I appreciate you, my brother. Um, you know, I'm going to pray for you and just hope that you keep on doing what you're doing and being an influence and everything and doing what you're doing. For everybody else, make sure you join diversemedicine.com. You can find mentors on there. Like for mental, we got med school recruiters on there, all sorts of stuff. So make sure you're in diversemedicine.com for the pre-meds, premedmondays.com. Make sure you get on that. Check it out. Lauren over here throwing deuces, dude. I had, to, I, had to, yeah, I, had to, I had to get you on the ground one time. You know what I'm saying? Get me on the ground. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too good at the gram stuff. This <laughs> but get me on it, man. Y'all check me out on, check us out at Team BMWC on Instagram. Um, do you have any social media um, handles you want to shout out while you're on here? Yeah, um, my Instagram is Dr. Dr. Underscore Sneak, S-N-E-A-K-K. That's Dr. Underscore S-N-E-A-K-K. Um, hit me up there, man. Like, I really, you know, on my Instagram, I really just promote, like, the positive lifestyle, you know. Um, I really try and show people and showcase to people, like, how my journey is in school. You know, like, I... I'm a big person on self-care, big personal care guy, because I realized that, you know, I burnt out before I actually got into med school. And as I burnt out, I made a promise to myself that I was never, ever, ever going to burn out ever again. So like for me being in med school, understanding how much self-care actually means to me is what I try and like put out to every pre-med student. Because you know how the culture is. Everybody is go, 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 go. But what I'm understanding is that like it's a marathon and you got to oil that machine. You got to weld that machine. You got to constantly do quality control. So you got to take care of yourself. And that's one of the things that I'm big on. And especially one of the things I promote heavily like on my Instagram. So yeah, like hit me up on there. Shoot me a message. You know, I'm always going to respond. So, so yeah. Boom. There you go. So that's what we got, man. So love you guys. Appreciate everybody watching, listening, doing however you're getting this. Um, find me on diversemedicine.com. Find Flora in there as well. And we'll get you guys next time, man. Ooh. I want them bad like a daddy, yeah. Oh, let do it like flagger, yeah. I'm kicking flame with no saga, yeah. Hey, I like them blues. I might go Janet like Jackson. I got them options, yeah. It's all about progression. Life is like a blessing. Everything a win, loss is like a lesson. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Ain't no time for stressing, I've been really stepping. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, if you wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got on racks, ain't playing around. Wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got on racks, ain't playing around. Black man, white yeah. coat, shit, we up right now.